welcome back to the Shadowstorm Radio Hour. I'm your host, Brendan. I'm your co-host, Adam. And it's been a little while, right, Adam? We kind of, we, we missed one, and then we kind of... Took a little vacation. Um, so, it we live in the Valley of the Sun, and uh, the the temperatures out here have kind of driven us into torpor. And it, it happens every year. Every year. It was uh, well, like 118, 119 one day, and just, it's it's hard uh under the oppressive glare of day that much heat to really do anything um, yeah to, to drive over and come together to to you know record one of these or game or really a to lot really of stuff. do just about anything with it, your it life is our it makes winter. Your life meaningful or productive right it is our winter everywhere else it's oh there's snow on the ground i'm gonna stay inside i don't want to go anywhere out here it is it's death outside um, it's really true. With it's, the heat, it brings rattlesnakes and scorpions. And so basically, just like the entire uh, desert comes alive and tries to murder you yes. uh, at once and the cactuses and everything. I was like, and There's like really not anything out here that is not purpose engineered for mayhem. It's like the surface of Mars. You, you imagine that there's all sorts of strange aliens living like just below the rocks. Yeah, that, like, that I like want that. To, uh, John Carter kind of thing where it's just everything there is. I was thinking like John Carpenter. Oh, okay. But John like Carpenter. you know, and then Ice Cube is gonna oh, have to like save Ghost us. Of Mars and, okay. Yeah, that was such a bad movie. I was I was thinking more of the John Carter one. I didn't see I was, that. Maybe I just was hoping Deja Taurus would show up. But. Is that the is that the good looking dude? No, that's the the girl. Oh, okay. <laughs> I immediately go for the good looking dude. dude Remember that good looking dude yeah. that was in that John oh. Carter Mars oh, movie? Yeah, I have that movie. Yeah. Hubba hubba. Any hoosies. So uh, it's been a little while since we've done this. We apologize to everybody who tunes in to listen to Shadow Sworn. That right in the middle of our kind of transition to being sort of like a full metal RPG project, we kind of were va- absent for a little while. Um, you know, like it's in the way things happen. But we're back, and uh, Adam and I, we never really ever stop loving World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness. We always, we're always doing that. Whether or not we get to talk to each other or to you about it is another thing. So here we are. We're back. Um, what's been going on with gaming for you, Adam? What's new, man? What have you been do- up to? Uh, so for me, um, I've been looking at um, games that I can play with my kids. Um, so I got the Pathfinder card game and started kind of going through that. That's probably They're old little, enough to do that now? Nah, eh, it's a little too advanced for them still. Um, so I've just been kind of trying to like figure out a way to get them into um, gaming, role-playing, fantasy gaming. Um, I think the oldest one, he's, he's nine now, he should be of the age where he can start wrapping his, his brain around a simplified rule set. Um, so I've just been kind of investigating that, looking into that, um, what does that look like? And then I signed up for running a couple games at a local gaming convention that we're doing out here. Crit Hit, right? Crit hit, yep. What Crit are you going to be running at Crit Hit? So, um, actually, not anything World of Darkness. Uh, I decided that I would try and run uh, the 4th edition version of Gamma World because um, oh, it's so got the, some weird mechanics That's in the it. box set one, right? That's the box set one with the cards and all of those like bizarre mechanics. Um, and then uh, Cthulhu Tech, which what? is like a dark, techy. Um, anime inspired near future um where the migu the these like fungal aliens from mars have like uh come from or from not from mars from pluto uh come through the solar system wipe out the earth colonies and then kind of blockade earth and then all of these ancient monsters start rising from the depths and like uh the plateau of lang opens over china and the ray fine storm comes out and like eradicates everything 
Uh, so it's kind of a it's a dark, dark uh, tech style gaming. Are you doing the 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 mecha thing, or are you doing the um the Giver guys, or just investigators, or what? Uh, oh, the taggers or the taggers, and the I'm probably gonna do the mecha thing just because um for the story I have in mind, it makes the most sense. I was kind of thinking I would just do the the fall of Anchorage. Story oh, cool! Yeah, you ran that once before, right? Yeah, I ran that once before, and it seemed to work pretty well. And so I was thinking, you know, that way they can go out, they can see the Migu like actually landing their little like pod things on the surface, fight a couple of them, come back, and be part of like the mass evacuation of the city slash uh, <laughs> mass slaughter. The capitulation to the alien yeah, tyrants the is that what you're saying? To the aliens, and then uh, eventually move them into to Seattle at the end of it after having like abandoned the entire. Um, uh, North Pacific Northwest to the domination by the aliens. Neat. Oh, I hope that um, I hope that Jim doesn't schedule us to run concurrently because I would totally love to play in that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it's, we'll see what happens. There's a lot of stuff going on, and then I also put myself down as being willing to run games to like demo um, oh the unique uh, oh cool game features. So I thought like yeah, I could probably do that. There's the that gamer buffet. Yeah, Gamer Buffet. Oh, so you're going to do that? That's awesome. I thought, you know, it sounds like something kind of fun, and there's a couple games that I could contribute to that if there's any interest. So You're you know, definitely giving back to the community on that one, man. Yeah, because, I mean, Gamma World's awesome. got the card mechanic, and then we could look at – there's a bunch of other ones we could look at. There's a bunch of weird games. You know, Apocalypse World's got some weird mechanics. Oh, yeah. That, dude, that's going to be really great. Yeah. That's so, going to be really great. Yeah, we'll see. That's something to look forward to. Yeah, should be fun. Anything else? Uh, ordered a bunch of new books. We can talk about those ooh, in a little ooh, bit. Ooh. And, uh, no, no, tell me now. What'd you order? Oh, well, we can, I was going to talk about it during the, the new product roundup. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it then, then. Yeah, we'll talk All about it. All right, that. cool. Well, for me, I have not, I haven't really been playing very much. I've been playing Shadows of Brimstone at lunch with the, the cohort at work, and that's fun. That's fun. It's an okay game. I mean, it's a good game. It's a good game. Look, I'm not shitting on Shadows of Brimstone. I like, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's not my usual thing. It's a little bit too kind of involved as a board game for me, but um, it's fun. It's there fun. There seems to be a, a move towards that, though, with, like, Descent and uh, that game that I demoed on Free RPG Day, Myth. Yeah. Um, that was the other thing I did. I went to Free RPG Day. And oh, yeah. I saw you there. Uh, I played Myth. Um, and, yeah, there, there's really, like, this this uh, these games now that are an, an amalgamation of role-playing and uh, board gaming. Like, like tactical miniatures gaming uh, right. and like and like card games in a certain way. Right, like, and they're kind of coming at it from the other direction than uh, 4th edition D&D did because 4th edition D&D was kind of like a similar thing too where it was yeah. a tactical game but also an RPG. Um, but it didn't have a board and it didn't really have miniatures per se, but there was, it was a lot easier oh, to run if you had to play had a battle miniatures. mat. Oh, Jesus. It was a lot easier to run if you had a battle mat. Like, yeah. I had the little uh, cardboard cutout tokens that oh, they that's gave fine. you with this. But, uh, Those little guys? Yeah, the little guy, you like flip them over, oh, I'm bloodied, and they got a red border on it. Um, so, yeah, it, they're kind of coming at it from the other direction, and it, it's neat to see. I think it's getting more people into the idea of RPG gaming, but. They're also kind of limiting and constricted because you can really only run the scenarios that that, that they come with, right? I, I liked that myth one. That myth one seemed cool. I would pick that one up. Um, the thing that's cool about that myth one is that it doesn't require an uh, overabundance of table space, which is a problem with uh, Shadows of Brimstone because it's, it's a problem with any of those like yeah. tiny expandy ones, like. Um, Descent has that problem. I mean, the Doom board game had that problem. Like, you just build these massive boards and yeah. you need a huge table. Like, and it's got to be 
it can't be – it's got to be both long and wide. Like, it's got to be just a big square table. Yeah, because you just don't know where it's going to go. And then right. we're trying to eat at lunch, and, and then we've got to put it away real quick, and it's got all these tokens and shit. So I think that myth one might be a bit better because it's a bit more compact. Um, yeah, so I, I do that at lunch. Then I'm, I'm working on a new game, and I know that – I know that, like, in the last – since I've been back in Phoenix, I've definitely been kind of all over the place with my gaming. And I've been kind of in this – weird funk where I'm like, man, I'm just not as good at this as I used to be. And I've been like trying to figure out what was the difference was. And the difference was that I haven't committed to serious pregame prep. So for this game, I've been doing a lot of pre-writing, just like a ton of fucking pre-writing. I've really been putting a lot of effort into crafting characters and crafting storylines and getting into the history of the location and everything. This is this is this is me doing it old school. This is me like rolling it back to when we were in college. And I used to seriously put in like twenty hours a week on this shit, which is probably kind of a waste of time. But right. but because a lot of it never comes up. Yeah, but it's also the only way that you get the super rich, deeply complex games. And I was wondering, like, what the fuck happened? Why do all my games seem so superficial? And the real problem is, and I heard another GM on a different podcast talking about this, that you get to this certain point where you do maybe 30 minutes of prep like on the day before the game happens, and you can run a game that will meet weekly or bi-weekly or whatever, right. and, and you can, you'll can you stagger through it, but it will never be good. I it always was, found that if you weren't doing at least like double the amount of time that you plan to run it in prep time, that it started to suffer. So if that, you were going to run a four-hour session, you needed to put in at least eight hours of prep time into look, it. Look at this guy over here. You need to write this as an article, dude. Yeah, because that 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 is like a, that is a very useful gamer metric that I did not have in my head. I mean, I'm fucking 37. Yeah. I didn't have that in my head. I had never articulated that, but yeah, that is well, solid. I work in software, so I have to like measure everything and figure out, <laughs> figure <laughs> out all of these <laughs> different dependencies. So I always break this stuff down. Dude, well, that is a solid metric. That's I'm the one that I usually that. use because I'm like, if I have found if I go into it and I'm like, oh, like the worst ones are when I'm like, I'm just going to show up with like, like you said, a half hour, an dude, hour of prep time yeah. and run a five hour game. Doesn't Fu work unless dude. I'm just running like a massive combat, then whatever. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Like, but if I'm going to run a story-driven game and I haven't devoted at least that much time to it, it, it really yeah. shows. It suffers. Oh, it does. It suffers. And the thing is, is the players might even enjoy it, mm -hmm. but I won't enjoy it. I won't have fun because, to me, there's none of this, the, the succulence. There's none of the richness right. there to the story. Yeah. And I think a lot of people you – now I, I digress. Anyway, I'm working on – you're the first person to hear this. I've been keeping it secret from the chums at work. And I don't know who's going to play in this game. I'm just going to – Throw it, float it out there, and we'll see who shows up. Working on Vampire the Masquerade, Montreal by Night. Oh, cool. Second time I've run that. The first time, it was so gruesome and despairing that it even creeped me the fuck out, and I quit. Yeah. So I'm not going to do that this time. I've been going through that book with a fine-tooth fucking comb. I've been pulling out all these characters, characters I totally overlooked, like the first two times I read the book. I mean, the third time. I have I have read Montreal by Night cover to cover three times at this point, plus all the flipping that you do for referencing and stuff. Right. And at this point, I just I see these like these 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 subplots. That book is so rich. It's, it's so really in-depth. probably the best city book. It's like the only city book at this point, you know? I mean, I, I Constantinople. Constantinople. Like, the Dark Ages ones are all pretty solid. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, there was stuff at least that you could pull out of the some of the other modern city books. They weren't as good, but there was stuff that you could pull sure. out and use. Sure. Um, I used some NPCs. When I ran New Orleans, both different versions, Chronicles 
uh, of Darkness and 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 uh, Wad. I used NPCs from both of those cities. Right. But I never ran the plots for them because the plots were the plots were terrible. Like yeah, yeah I know. But uh, yeah, so that same with um, uh, L.A. by Night. Like there were some good oh. characters in there, like Jeremy McNeil and some of the other ones. Like you could work with Smiling Jack a little bit, like do some interesting things there. But um, like the plot that was in the book was was not super great. Um, it's that said, you could retool it to be like the, the, the Sabbat infiltrating the Anarch Free States. And Why would the Sabbat have to infiltrate the Anarch Free States? I mean, explain to me. Recruiting. How... Recruiting I or just because it's an easy way to basically like establish a supply line up through Tijuana, no, through San Diego. But that's LA. the thing it's... is that I always just looked at the, the L.A. by night and I always just thought, oh, this is a Sabbat city. Because how would the quote-unquote Anarch Free States resist a Sabbat crusade? How would they do it? They, nothing in any book that was ever published about the Anarchs led me to believe that they had the infrastructure necessary. Yeah, I think you just kind of had to take it on faith, and, and, and <laughs> if you wanted to run Anarch Free States, you'd be like, yeah, it works some way. It never made sense to me. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not, you're not wrong, because I, I don't really see mechanically how the Anarchs would resist it. But, I mean, I are we got, you know, I, I was never one to let mechanics get in the way of a story. So. The, the, the thing about... And I know that like I, I, I piss all over the, the meta plot all the time, but then I'm always at war with myself as to whether or not I'm just completely in love with the meta plot. And the thing with the Anarch free states and the Anarchs just in general as a plot device is that they were clearly written before they had built the backstory. The idea of the Anarchs being out there was before the backstory. And as they were kind of cobbling the backstory together, in fractured time, because they're like, oh, we're going to write a little bit of stuff that happened in the Dark Ages over here, then we'll write some stuff that happened in, like, the English Revolution over here, all this other crap. They kind of overlooked the would fact... It, would it make that, more sense to you if they had been presented as the Bruja Free States, then? Like, rather than the Anarch, yeah. if it was just more the ethos of Clan Bruja, and there were a bunch of Bruja elders out there, like... Like New Carthage or new something? Carthage. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah, what, I could, I could, I, I guess I could... That's another way of doing it. Like, and could, that's, that's, that already sounds better to me. Right. That already sounds better to me than a bunch of vampires all hanging out in L.A. going, oh, we're all just going to, like, we don't care about other stuff, so we're just going to not interact with each other and just be like, leave me alone, man. It's like Libertarianville over here. Hands off me. And... And then, meanwhile, you've got you've got tons of Hispanic people, you've got tons of Catholics, you've got this pipeline, as you said, up right. through Mexico that the Sabbath would totally want. You've got all this like this ancient Spanish history there that Lasabra are gonna be licking licking their chops over. Right. You've got the weird porn industry that the Zimacy are gonna fucking love. There's no way they're gonna let this like a bunch of like caitiff who are like, leave me alone, man, I gotta be me. They're no way they're not gonna just like let that city go to them. Yeah. There's that huge port there. Maybe the, the Camarillas propping them up to keep the Sabbath out. I have no idea. Yeah. There's a, there's a bunch different ways you could go after that story you know what i mean or it's... you could just say the cuisine run everything <laughs> well that's eventually <laughs> what they decided on yeah it is towards the final night's line but it is it uh, is yeah, i think, I think we, that's i, I think, think we successfully derailed our talk about what we were working on so you're working yeah, on, so montreal working on, by on montreal by night all right cool. i'm really loving it and if anybody who wants to play in that game is listening to this then the opportunity is open i'm hoping to get some old school kids in here to play montreal again uh there will be no x card I'm using my own internal X card this time to keep things from from getting too weird. Um, this weekend cool. upcoming, uh, Ben and I for FMRPG are representing um, at 
Leprechaun, which is this kind of like, you know, hodgepodgey science fiction right. nerdy convention here. And it's Leprechaun, not Leprechaun. Yeah, so. yeah. So Those no very unfortunately named yeah. Leprechaun. Yeah. Um, Good and, to know. Uh, ben and I got kind of sidetracked over the last couple of months with these like separate little side projects that we had, and um, we, we we put down the money for the table at Leprechaun, and so that money is gone. Right. And so we feel like yeah. we ha- we have Do to I have to show up. We and, have to yeah. show up and make make use of the of the money that we spent on it, or else right. it's just like a complete waste. But in the meantime, there are like certain critical details that we kind of like let slip through our fingers, like for instance, getting the tax licensing for like selling goods so uh if we want to sell fmrpg shirts there we're gonna have to kind of like pull some han solo type shit and be like oh let me get those papers they're in my bag and then like run i i don't know we'll figure something out all right um it's it like fun already either way it's just, it, this whole thing's looking it's it's a complete failure on my part as like a leader and, and as a young entrepreneur to, to not not that young anymore but new entrepreneur let's say life that. happens so uh, yeah it's it's yeah. The, you don't learn this stuff until you try to do it right like I yeah mean, yeah how long were they trying to open the corners past the mesa like like a year and a half or something dude, or two years dude they've got the one, one downtown it, it still down, isn't it's open an yet. empty it's an empty building just yep. sitting there just sitting there like and you would think you've been through this before like yeah. this ain't your first time at the rodeo but man they still just like every time it's it's uh oh i don't know it's... exactly exactly so i was hoping to maybe sell some fmrpg shirts this week uh we might just have tons of them on etsy so if hey if you don't have your fmrpg shirt and you're like chomping the bit to get an fmrpg shirt go check out etsy they're probably still there because brendan the fucking idiot didn't buy the tax licenses nice. so that's what etsy. i've been up to cool um let's talk about what uh what new shit is out there for for white wolf sure. slash so new, onyx path new shit since the new stuffs since the last time that we talked oh, um, it's been a while the Tamahe Ra book came out as a PDF and print-on-demand. Yeah. I got my order in for that. I got my PDF. My print-on-demand copy is winging its way to me uh, currently on, on its leathery, but flame-bitten demon wings. You did um, get a look at the PDF, though. I did get to how, look at how the does PDF. It, how does it look? Because I haven't, uh, I haven't ordered mine yet. There's a big section on Infernalism, which uh, yes. I, I was surprised by because I don't remember that being such a – such a focus of the first one. Um, the the right? Truja are really like almost a side note and downplayed. Like they're almost not even in it anymore. Um, okay. They've opened up membership to every clan except the followers of Set. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, like the only set that actually actively worships an antediluvian is not allowed in the antediluvian worship society. Um, I haven't gotten too far into it. There's a big infernalism section, big section on cults of Lilith, which I don't remember. I, oh, I vaguely man. remember. I never liked that Lilith being a big stuff. Set. It wasn't a big part, but it was. It showed up in Dirty Secrets. I didn't see anything about the Soul Eaters. Um, yeah, and then there's well, a on. part on like Asimite sorcery and Koldonic sorcery, and then the uh, the Moloch Baali, like the Baali Ooh, you follow, cool. like the the. I'm a sad sack Bali, like, and I don't want to actually be a bad demon Bali kind of thing. So there's a section on that. It looks good. Uh, like I said, haven't dug too much into it. Um, looks super keen. Um, almost done reading The Hunters Hunted, which I got a while back. Um, that was a pretty solid book as well. Um, and then the other new book that I have on its way to me that I don't know anything about and haven't looked at yet is Dark Eras for uh, Chronicles of Darkness. 
Um, and that's essentially a big source book. I think it's over 600 pages of just uh, historical settings for the Chronicles of Darkness right. game lines, like Changeling, the the uh, Lost. And... That's Victorian Changeling. Yeah, it's a Victorian one, right? Changeling, which I think is a really good setting for uh, Changeling yeah, I like that Lost. Um, and then um, there's Werewolf Forsaken and the Mage and then Vampire, the Requiem and all this. So um, there should be a good amount of material in that book. I'm interested in kind of flipping through it. I don't know that I'll sit down and read that one cover to cover i will uh, probably just cherry pick through it and yeah. see what looks interesting and and dig into it like i like to read most of them cover to cover um i even did like the red list one i read that cover to cover i'm almost done reading uh the hunter's hunted cover to cover and i'll probably read the tom Mahiron, tom Mahira book cover to cover and then the other one that i can think of is the ghouls and revenants book that just was announced yesterday or yeah today like yesterday or today print on demand available so yeah. i will probably pick that one up um eventually and uh see what that's got to offer i really loved ghoul's fatal addiction it's one of oh, my favorite books. books great art great content um and just a really yeah. tragic look at like some yeah. deeply damaged individuals um it just such a good book and i'm really uh, hoping that i don't really think it's some... possible that they could do as well at, with this new one as that old one i mean there's just no way it's as good my my hope is just that it it's solid you yeah. see what i'm saying i don't know like i, uh, it, I yeah i it's hard to imagine it being better yeah exactly uh, if uh, i've noticed they it seems like they reuse a lot of the older stuff in they the newer do. stuff. So my they guess do. is that it will probably be close to the old one. Because um, they are really just supposed to be rules kind of compendiums. You right. know, they're sort of just like bringing a bunch of old titles under one roof. So right. you don't have and to they're hunt uplifting up shit. all the old stuff. And, and I mean, one of the, I mean, one of the major things that I've, that, you know, we've discussed before is just, they're not um, doing anything with the setting. So you well, still have this like eternal '90s thing going on, yeah. where it's like, where it's like, you know, we live in a world now with YouTube and drones, and everyone's got a camera, a 10 megapixel camera in their phone, and everything else, and it's just like, you know, how how does that work? Like, how does yeah. all this stuff work now? Because I mean, and the one thing I will say for for Masquerade versus Requiem is Masquerade has a much better toolkit for dealing with uh, those types of situations. Because um, it's a global conspiracy of vampires, whereas in Requiem, um, it's it's a much lower level, city level, and it's just kind of like who is orchestrating, mm -hmm. like getting all of this stuff off the internet. Who is the, you know? Because I mean, they have the inner council and the Camarilla with the just cars and everything, so they can kind of send out hit squads to take care of these things when they flare up. But but in Requiem, I mean, it's like, is the Prince of Pittsburgh really gonna care if you know? Uh, somebody from his city goes to philadelphia this, catches a vampire on his camcorder and uploads it to to uh, youtube you know is he going to do anything about it this is know. one of those areas in where you and i disagree because i think requiem does a better job with this really and and and, and here's 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 my little rationale and that is it has that thing where vampires become blurry when you record them you can't right you so can't, it's got you a supernatural mechanic yeah but and, and it doesn't it doesn't that's have the thing. like a, that's what I like about it. Okay, yeah. first, it, does, it goes beyond the mechanic. It goes beyond the mechanic and into the realm of the idea 
like the technology itself is somewhat horrifying, and the, and the, and the, the sort of panopticon that we live in now is sort of horrifying. And there's there's so much stuff with kind of like like J horror ideas that you could do of like I, I mean people the, the in old dark world of webs had that too though with like the technocracy and all of that and it, like like Iteration I, X was a deeply horrifying convention. I, you know, it's that idea of stripping yourself of your humanity and essentially becoming like a, a literal cog in the machine. You know? Well, I mean, I just like. I like the idea of, of some schmo at home who thinks he's watching cryptozoology videos, but then he instead, on, on YouTube, and he, he finds his way into some kind of weird back alley chat room or something where people are dealing in in st- strange, unexplainable vampire videos. And then he, and then, and right, then. But why is that back gets, alley? Who's keeping that off? Uh, who's keeping that in the dark net and not on the regular net? Well, I mean. Okay, look. Because, I mean, in Masquerade, maybe, it's because the. Because I don't know, like, Vilmon is in Washington, D.C., like, <laughs> dominating the president or whatever. You know, it's... I mean, let's let's say, that, let's say, let's say it's DC. not. I let's, remember let's, his name. Let's say it is actually bleeding into into the surface net. You know, it's, it's like it's it's like you right. go go on 4chan or something, and there's gross vampire shit. There's something horrifying about that. There's some, there's, there's there's a horror story to be told there, and that really to me is the purpose of telling vampire stories is to tell horror stories. And I felt like at the end, especially of the third edition. The, the globe-spanning conspiracy stories were beginning to eclipse the idea of horror stories. Well, it really started turning into, like, either um, kind of like a Knight's Black Agents type of thing or, yeah. like, or like a, a superhero type of thing where, like, yeah. I got cool powers. And right. Like, I can shrug off bullets, and this is just Tom Clancy with but, vampire teeth. It was yeah, just kind of, I mean, eh. I will grant you that in third edition it was that, but second edition Masquerade never had that feel to me. Um, no, because second was edition was... very dark and gritty, and, and it the, was just the, one of those it's things. It's perfect like, edition. Yeah, and it was just, I was like, okay, so I, I get it. Like, I... I, I I will agree to your point. Like the the supernatural mechanic and the other part do lend to horror, but it just seems like it would very quickly unravel at the seams. Like the NSA would figure this out and be like, okay, well, you know, let's start let's start figuring out what's going on here and start digging into this. I, I can't imagine that the intelligence community would let that go unchecked. Well, I mean, well, you and I could argue this all day. We could do an entire episode about this. Do you have nice black agents? No, I don't have Knights Black Agents. Do you ever want to borrow it? it? And it looked really interesting. If you ever want to borrow it, just let me know. Okay, I'll let you know. Um, Also coming out is Beckett's Jihad Diary is now live on Stupid Kickstarter. Never cared for Beckett. Nor I, my friend. And I mean, uh, what was the other dude's name? Anatole? Anatole, the Malkavian uh, yeah. guy. And then uh, Lucida, uh, they're Lucida. like weird sidekick or what? Fucking Vikos was the only one I kind of liked. And by the end of it, they had fucking beaten, beat that horse to death. Yeah, Vikos had that very Marilyn Manson kind of vibe early on. And then they sure. just took it a little too far. Yeah, well, like, it just, I, he, he just was everywhere. It was it, with everything that was going on in the entire world of darkness. It's like, and then Vikos walks into the room. And you're right. like, oh, God, you're here too? I mean, does that guy just do, like jet around going to different things on every continent? I yeah, mean, I mean, break. one of my favorite Zimche was always Lombok. Like, oh, I, always I loved Lombok. So great. Like, he's such a great character, but they never did anything with him. No, I think he might have been like kind of like a relic of the Andrew Greenberg era, and he then could they... have been. But he just he was like such an interesting character, and like the art form was really great. Oh, and so I great! Wanted them to do so much more with him than they did. Like he's I like would my love personal to just hero, have a shirt really. With Lombok's like like picture from 
uh, Children of the Children Inquisition. Where he's, where, where he's sitting there next to the Black Death, the Black Death bottle, the, yeah. the, the, yep. the Black Death whiskey. Yeah. Oh, and he's, he's, got the, he's got the, the cigarette is burning yeah. next to him. I mean, on some level, just a minute ago, you and I were talking about, like, how how is it that Gen X became the, the culture of, of losers? Like, like book, book ended between... Um, the, the baby the, the baby boomers and the millennials yeah. and then it's because our idols were guys like Lombok yeah. oh my god Lombok's such a fuck up he's amazing yeah. you know I mean is it really like literally <laughs> one of the popular songs in, in our time was Loser by Beck you know it's yeah just, and, and Creep. Creep by Radiohead yeah. it's just all these songs all, about just being a misfit all of all of Cobain's music was basically about being an outcast who was not relevant right and then yeah, it's it's weird. It's weird, man. Yeah. It's, it's, and then you know he had, now he got Gwen Stefani singing about bananas and shit. And oh, you're just like, yeah. Okay, I yeah. Guess. <laughs> anyway, so Beckett's Jihad Diary is on Kickstarter. If you want to go on there and p- pledge that thing, of course, you know you're you're a better soldier than I. I don't have eighty five dollars to essentially spend on a prop Holy book. Holy shit, dude! It's eighty five bones for that thing. I, it, it's it's the deluxe edition. It's supposed to it's supposed to look all like leathery, like he's been carrying it around. It's two hundred pages, but it's eighty five bucks for a book that doesn't have any mechanics and any storyline in it. It's just it's just basically. I mean, I guess it has it has inferred storyline because it's Beckett going from place to place and he sees this and he sees that and he tells you about it. You know, so you could like get story ideas Wearing and his crap. Floppy hat and his shitty red sunglasses. Or whatever. Yeah, God, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, right, just hey. just just yesterday, I kid you not, just yesterday, I was sitting on the couch with Heather and she's watching YouTube videos mm-hmm. of some guy in Sweden playing his way through bloodlines and then this guy shows up. Yeah, it's Beckett. And, He's and, in that game. I hate that. Yeah, I tried yeah, to figure out so, if I could kill him and you can't. I was like, it's just, the, the character goes, are you a werewolf? And I turned to Heather and went, it's Beckett. And and, and he's like, ha, 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 I'm Beckett. And I'm like, yeah. you fucking suck, Beckett. You <laughs> get the fuck out of here. Yeah, get the fuck out. Go dive a tomb, get, Beckett. Get out of my head. Laura Croft wannabe <laughs> motherfucker. Get the fuck out. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, feel, I feel like I got some aggression out against Beckett. Yeah, yeah, there we go. And Anatole in his shitty fucking plaid pants and his T-shirt. It's like, who the fuck? Like, you're a damn vampire. In, in, in the hierarchy of books <laughs> that like that don't interest me, especially at a price tag of eighty-five dollars, uh, Beckett's Jihad Diary and uh, Theo Bell's War Chronicles <laughs> yeah. are like, you know, I mean, like, I don't really care about either one of these characters or you their don't thoughts want on anything. Lucita's uh, memoirs of a of a lesbian assassin either like that doesn't well that's pretty no. high up there for me too <laughs> Saisha Vikos is like uh, experimentation yeah. journal I oh. would plunk down some cash Dude, for with eight, like uh, really creepy like vivisection dry, drawings and stuff in it I'd pay a lot of money for that I'd drop some bucks? coin on that 85 bucks for the cause, cause, if g- they could make it look like it was made out of like human, human flesh, flesh and like bone yeah maybe yeah maybe cause Rich that Thomas, cool as shit Rich Thomas yo the, that idea was free son you yeah. want any more Ringy dingy, call us up. Yeah, that would be hot. I would, I'd, I'd drop some coin on that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it seems natural to me and you. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well. Anyway, uh, I have learned long ago the stuff that seems natural to me and the stuff that everyone else wants is. <laughs> there's this Yo, wide you, gulf between the two. Dude, something tells me that there ain't like a bunch of people out there like chittering in anticipation to hear Beckett's, Beckett's thoughts yeah, on I, fucking what's going on in Milan. Yeah, you know. I, I, I can't disagree with that. I'm not trying to shit on any of the writers or the artists. The art looks fucking amazing, and mm-hmm. they've got a very talented group of people in there who are doing the writing. But I'm just like, yo, man. I mean, I, I might get a POD version 
if I can get it for like say forty bucks, which to be totally honest, I mean when we're, when we're talking that about that seems high. Dude, I, if it costs as much as about the original book of Nod, which I want to say 20, was like twenty, twenty, I will pick up a copy. Maybe, dude, I'm not gonna drop forty bucks on that book. I mean, look, here's the thing: is it's, it's definitely in line with that. It's definitely in line with Eris's Fragment, Testament of Longinus, mm-hmm. all these other and books. I have all those. The kind of like prop books. It's supposed to be right. kind of like Revelations a prop of the book. Dark Mother. Exactly. Like, I've got all those. They're good. They, they are, and, I, and that was initially my thought, too. I was like, oh, yeah, 20 bucks, whatever, cool. And then they're like, $85. And, and so <laughs> no. I, I, had, I, had, I had to remember, like, it ain't the 90s anymore. Maybe I have to spend a little bit more money than, like, the 20 bucks that I'm comfortable okay, with. so let's say we go to 30 Like, I'm, it's sure. still not 85 You know what I, know. I mean? Like, like I the know. other books, like, to give you a, a frame of reference, um, Dark Eras, which is, like, 600 pages print-on-demand, is 60 I want to say. Yeah, I know. Like it's not. I, it's like eighty is. Uh, I, it's egregious, but, but I, I mean, that is it, for the deluxe edition, which will yeah, be all like yeah. cool looking and whatever. So I'm hoping that when the the POD is is out, it's it's a it's a more sort of accessible price. You just you don't having bought the deluxe editions of third and everything, you don't need the deluxe editions. You like, really it don't offer anything, and I spent a ton of money on those, and like now you see them in used bookstores and stuff, and it's just I, like. I got this deluxe edition of uh, Lore of the Clans because I backed the Kickstarter because I wanted the screen because I right. didn't have a V20 screen. So And it's, it's a cool screen. It's really good looking. So I got the deluxe edition, and then I also got the POD edition because I knew that if I played the game, people were going to all make characters and shit, and I didn't want right. them fucking up my beautiful deluxe book. So literally... Oh, I have bu- two copies of all the third edition <laughs> stuff because I, I bought the deluxe and the regular edition because I was like, I want people reading my books. Yeah, yeah, they got beautiful fucking books. Yeah, so they're like still in the slipcases. I don't take them out and look at them. And Literally, way, I have waste. never even opened the cover on this. It's sitting there mint. It's like a mint. And so why did I buy it? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? What was I thinking? Uh, consumerism. <sighs> I, that's, that is the, the remorse of, of everyone, I think. So why did I buy this? Why did I spend my money on this? Well, I'm, I do hear that um, the Deviant, the whatevering, the new the new Onyx Path game is still in production. Okay. Which is nice because I have they have made no noise about that whatsoever. Still but waiting on Wraith V20. Oh, that, that that that's coming along. Have you watched? Have you looked on? I've the... been paying attention to it, and it it was it what it didn't move for a while. Yeah, and then it seemed like it started moving again. So I'm eagerly anticipating that one. I always loved Wraith. Um, I'm hoping they can fix some of the mechanical issues. I'm with sure it they will. Like shadow and if, everything. If else, there's so. one thing that we've learned from these these 20th anniversary books, it's that the mechanics are very well ironed out and on point. They yeah. are. In it's, terms of story, it's not really a story, and that's the issue. That's one of the issues. But I mean, it's like the. I, yeah, I would love to have a storybook, like just updating everything. Because yeah. I mean, like, it, the Knights of Prophecy can't have been going on for 18 20 years. years or whatever it is <laughs> at this point. Like, it, like they, they need to do something with that. And then, um, you know, I just it's hard to read them just because you get into them and it's just what, like the old ones. R- no, the new ones. It's just like oh rules. yeah, it's boring as fuck. Here's some more rules. Yeah. Did you want some more rules? Like, yeah. I want to say like over half of V twenty is is it's like just, disciplines, dude. The part that and, kills me is the and, paths. Uh, paths. Yeah, like, because they made that new mechanic where there's paths and then there's sub paths and you're like, oh right. Jesus fuck. Yeah, I don't care about any of this. It's kind of like when you're reading about cleric spheres in like a fantasy game and you're like. Jesus yeah. Christ! All these all these cleric religions sound equally boring. Yep, it, and it really seems like they should have just been like, 
clans on this like here's a good here's your recommended paths and they could have just done it that way and then i wouldn't have had to read all that shit unless i wanted to be like i want to play giovanni what are my recommended paths death and soul path of bones path well, they, they, they they introduced a whole bunch of new ones that you, had, did. you had to and then they changed the uh the disciplines for the cappadocians now Cappadocians yep. have necromancy. necromancy so why necro- did they embrace the Giovanni? And, and necromancy has more paths in it right. than like any other any other discipline that has paths. So that means necromancy is like like page count is huge. I with all of the thaumaturgy books that were coming out at the end of that line, that, oh, like, yeah. that's probably that's I'm gonna have a hard time believing that because like I there was blood magic, blood sacrifice. I just don't think that they're all in there. Yeah, they're probably not all in there, but there are a shit ton of thaumaturgy paths out there, like, yeah. like a ridiculous number to the point where I can't even keep up with them anymore. But and that's what Brides of Blood's for. The only ones that I needed were Movement of the Mind and Lore of the Flames. So, <laughs> and then yeah, exactly. fireballs at people as they're suspended in midair. What about uh, that one, the blood one, Path of Blood? Can't you just boil everybody's blood? Like, you could right boil their blood out of like, them, too, boom. but it's not nearly as fun as watching them flail around in the air and throwing fireballs at them. Like, yeah, there's I there's something point. to be said for that, just from a sheer mechanical standpoint. I take of, your of point. enjoyment and it was always on a one through five so you could get right really cheap <laughs> yeah and there's like <laughs> one of the things about thaumaturgy is it just didn't like at higher levels it just didn't scale very well right like like the rights started becoming more important at the higher levels than your pads because you're yeah. like well i'm capped at like a level five power right a level five lore of the flames is like shit compared to level you know eight obtenebration or whatever it's you know, what do I even do with that? So you start getting those really weird, like, rites yeah. and, and yeah. magic things that you can do. And, yeah, I, yeah, Thaumaturgy was always a weird one. It was. It was. It was part of their kind of, like, uh, I don't want to say half-baked, but sort of the way that the, the game was constantly evolving. It didn't always yep. evolve evenly. Yeah, and they weren't willing to retro anything or remove anything. So they yeah. just kind of <laughs> built on top of, like, rickety yeah. bullshit. And it's true. You ended up with these really odd, like, Frankenstein monster things at the end. It's where you're true. Like, you that's just what, glued all this together. Dude, that's what like, I was trying to say earlier about the Anarchs and the Sabbath is that really the Anarchs are the Sabbath. If you go back and you, you're like, wait a minute. Like, so there was this thing called the Anarch Revolution. And then it turned into the Sabbath, right. and then later they became the Anarch Revolution again. Right. No. Like, I smell a rat. Yep. Like, somebody fucked up. Well, they're still the trying timelines. to retrofit it. Now they're like, well, the Sabbath's a religious organization. Dude. The Sword of Cain. Yeah, I was just not like, happy really? with that. Like, but, I don't. Because remember, I, when, when, when I showed you that book, I was like, you're not going to be happy with that, that yeah. sentence, right? And I was like, I don't know how I feel about it. And I was kind of trying to get my bearings as to like how it worked in with mm-hmm. my worldview of the Sabbath. And I was like, maybe my worldview of the Sabbath was wrong. Maybe it was something like created as like a, as a young adult and like it wasn't really right. But I've been reading fucking Montreal by night, right? And that's a Sabbath fucking city. And I've been reading all of my goddamn Sabbath books to like get my shit, my my head rolling. And like, dude, they that is a retcon. Yeah. That, that whole like, oh, the Sabbath is the Church of Cain. Yeah. That is bullshit. Well, it comes yeah. out of that Cain's Chosen that we discussed before, where they talk all about yeah. that, where it's like, oh, it's sort of Cain and they're like the religious wing of the Sabbath and they're all about worshiping Cain and they have the stone and you gotta lick the the stone and like it's just okay I get like it was a weird it was a weird evolution and they keep iterating on on the Sabbat they don't do it with the Camarilla and they don't really do it with the Anarchs and it's just I don't I still don't think they know what to do with them to this day 
What to the, with those covenants? I mean, those clans. With, with I still, no, I still think they know what to do with the Camarilla. And they, I just don't think they know what to do with the Sabbat. Like I, I feel the, like the, the Sabbat was fine. It was, it was totally fine. fine. It was great. But I feel like they just keep looking at it and they're like, oh, be like, well, we it doesn't have to be anything it. than what it was. It, and and it's a it's a philosophically different faction that has at its center a hardcore religion and those people who and those people who are members of that religion keep trying to kind of like wag the dog or whatever but that's all they are but they they are not the sabbath they're just part of the sabbath and that's one thing to make the sabbath kind of interesting is you've got these like la sombra secular politicians but then they have to go over to the to the archbishop who is who might be one of these fucking deranged cain worshippers and they got to deal with this guy you right. know i mean it's 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 an interesting idea it is an interesting I don't idea know why and they i think got it informed it. a lot of like vampire cinema and stuff in the 90s that whole idea of like oh these younger vampires like rebelling against the state elders and you know trying to set up this uh this new this new society that of you know based on superiority to humans and everything yeah. else like i mean in particular like blade 1 was basically just like lifted lifted straight out of there there with like blade showing up and talking about how motherfuckers try to ice skate uphill you know like i still (laughs) love that movie love that movie it's a really good movie deacon frost could completely be a la sombra very Uh, easily the his henchman the guy that he works with quaylen quaylen he could be a zimache like it just you like look at him and because he's got kind of like that lombok look to him he does he does and it's just kind of like i just watched that movie and i was like yeah and then you got like the fucked up toreador chick uh is that tracy lords or whatever oh yeah yeah so you could be like a fucked up toreador and teacher view and you're just looking at it and like oh okay clearly like all of these are, yeah. are archetypes that you've lifted and brought into the i think chris handley movie. on uh darker days and network zero he makes a really good point when he says that there was something about the way that vampires were presented in masquerade that even if it was never a household name it definitely influenced a generation of creative people who then took it and put it into movies and put it into television. And now those ideas are basically just the generic vampire. Right. And, and now the we same need thing to... with like Mage too. Like a lot of Mage informed the Matrix as far as I can well, tell. Like it felt very Magey to me with the NWO guys <laughs> and then the idea of like, oh, you know, reality isn't what you think and you can shape it. And... The, th- the, thing about, the thing about vampire in general is that and a lot of the world of darkness is that the world of darkness, especially from that era, was piecemeal cribbed from other stuff. Right. And then the Matrix was also piecemeal, piecemeal cribbed, cribbed from, from other stuff. stuff. So I think that a lot of people were just drinking from the same well by that point. I don't know that the Wachowskis ever played Mage, although they might have. Who yeah. knows? Who knows? Anyway, so we got together today. We're going to talk a little bit about. Um, Historical game settings. Right. Historical like, <clears throat> settings and, yeah, building those and when do you use them. And... Exactly. Which is, you know, sort of apropos. you got the um, Dark Eras book. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I'm running this – I'm getting ready to run this Montreal game. And th- so this has been on my mind a lot because it's super weird now reading – I remember when Montreal by Night was new. I bought it when it was a brand new book. I remember I had to go down to fucking All the Books and Comics in Phoenix, Central Phoenix, and it was in a poly bag, and you had to be like 18 to buy it. So I had somebody else buy it for me. I was a young guy. Proxy buys. Exactly. Woo. So it's like 97 that it came out, 96, I can't remember. Anyhow, at the time, it was it was concurrent. It was concurrent with right. the timeline that was happening at that point. Yep. At this point, the book is about 20 years old, you know, which is staggering to me to even to even 
I can't fathom that on a certain point. But at this point, it's about it's about twenty years old. So it was right. it was written in ninety six and published in ninety seven. I think so. We're t- at, the, at the 20th anniversary of that fucking book. So what am I supposed to do with this goddamn thing? Okay, first of all, in the history section, it kind of glosses over the nineties because it assumes that the nineties are sort of happening yeah, right are now. Going on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Second of all. There's no update for the fucking 2000s. That's for fucking hell sure. Right. Or the 2010s, which we yeah. are now more than halfway through. Exactly. So. And a lot has changed. The world has changed radically. Just in ways that as a as a child who bought that book, I could never have foreseen. I never would have imagined in my wildest extrapolations what the the fabric of the world that we live in now. And I have all these weird questions as I'm as I'm writing this this goddamn chronicle now. Like like, do I set it in the '90s? Do am I running a period piece by choosing to run this book? Am I running a period piece? And then it, it depends on how you do it. I mean, you can do the uplift, but it's gonna raise a lot of thorny questions about technology and where the yeah. world's gone and how did it impact the city and like, are the players still the same? I mean, and you, I guess you don't even have to do that. Maybe you just don't even worry about like are the players still the same and all that? You just go, yeah, the, like they're all the same. I'm just moving what's going on into the modern era. Um, yeah, that was my first thought, is to just move it all to the modern era. Because I noticed, it, we, I brought this up to you earlier, is mm-hmm. that uh, the, subsequent to the publication of Montreal by Night, the White Wolf did publish a, a adventure book called Knights of Prophecy that had updates to a bunch of different uh, meta right. plot storylines that were going on. And one of them took place in Montreal, I, just, I don't remember that when I had that book. I'll have to go look at it again because you mentioned it, and then I was like, I don't even remember that. I remember oh, it's, the updates to like dude, the Anarch Free States and all that, and I remember the Crescent Mark person, and Yo, I remember like all that. I just don't remember the Montreal. Bit. It is literally the best story in there. Like okay. of all the, that wouldn't be hard based on the parts I do remember. Exactly because those those um stories were all kind of like over the top and kind of like oh yeah you know like fucking Baba Yaga is is eating werewolves oh, in like God, in yeah. Russia. Uh, and, did you ever read Layer of the Hidden? Uh oh yeah of course so I mean bad. yeah yeah it, it, it was part of that like weird kind of maximalist phase that that White Wolf went through in it the was, end. Well, it was like they're oh we gotta like wrap up all these old books and like make them current and new again. And I was like you know what didn't need to get updated was like that little <laughs> section in the back of the first World of Darkness book. Yep. That talked about yep. this. You could have just never mentioned this again, like the House of the Inkanu or anything. Right. Could have just never come up and nobody would have thought about it. Oh, I would have thought about it. I right, would have well, been. I would have been. Thought about I would have been up in arms if they hadn't addressed that. Oh, okay. So there was this part right, of me that so was happy there, that they you're addressed the, you're it. The target market. Dude, I bought that thing when it was brand new, and I was like, I was just disappointed with it because because I thought it was going to be like a bunch of antediluvians or something sitting around there, and it wasn't. I thought it, it was, was going like to. Like I thought it was going to just be like pulling the the covers back on the uh, Inkanu and. Oh they yeah. They were like, yeah. nope. Yeah. Not right. even gonna bother with that. It's just a bunch of petty high school bullshit, except with eight hundred year old vampires. I'm like. Oh, that's what I want to read about. High school bullshit, but like it yeah. was like Mean Girls with elders. It was yeah. the weirdest it was, thing. It was really. I was a super bummer. Like I, yeah. I kind of. I, I remember that. that book. Like it was. I was kind of hoping it would be like a little bit of a faction book. Like like oh, here's how you make kind of characters because they had been building that for years. You know what it was like. I mean, it, you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to make this uh, this analogy until you know many years later. But it was like watching the last season of Lost, where you're like, oh wow, I thought that this was this big fucking mystery for all these fucking years. And I put so much goddamn mental effort into this, and then 
oh, look, it wasn't anything. and Nobody cares. It was just yeah, bullshit. I didn't watch Lost, but I'll, I'll uh, reframe it as Battlestar Galactica for me. It was angels. Oh, boy. Starbuck was an angel. And I was like, this is so <laughs> dumb. I don't know what to do with this show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> just put it out of its misery. Um, So that's sort of where I'm at with Montreal. And I was just really, really like, wow. I guess I'm going to have to sit down and like write a history of what went on in the 90s after, after Sangris kind of got I, I, I'm probably gonna have to move up when Sangris the serpent or whatever is deposed as Archbishop and then Carolina Velez is gonna have to come in as Archbishop because the way that the the story is set up is that Sangris hasn't been gone that long right and that's her imp- positions really like kind of untenable right like, yeah it's very uncertain and yeah she has the support of like two packs right but then the there's two uh, bishops or actually there's three bishops in the city they're all kind of like working behind the scenes to see her or to see her deposed right. so that they can elevate their own their own chosen into that position and it just it just wouldn't make sense to say like for the past twenty. Well, you know what? Maybe it would because I always thought that I was gonna say it wouldn't make sense to say that she's been like negotiating it for twenty years. But maybe it would because I always I always thought that like the timeline yeah. on vampire politics and masquerade. Yeah, you'd think that like these guys would play this chess game in like long movements. But yeah, but you got to figure they'd have built. So that if you're saying that they've been doing it for twenty years, you're gonna have to have some pretty solid power structures and stuff built up. Because they've had twenty years to build them, you know what I mean? It's it's well, it's, sure. They it's not like they've been doing nothing for that time. So you're, you're right, probably right. going to have like these deeply entrenched kind of positions, and then it's is that workable, or is it more fun to have something more fluid and dynamic where they're starting to really build those, and you can have more of an impact on them? Yeah, I think you make a good point there because the players are going to come into it as neonates, right? And so like, if you've got twenty years of them building up, like I'm had 20 years of like infiltrating the police force and building it up as my own personal hit squad against my enemies. I've had 20 years of like, you know, going off over yeah. here and like building my flesh church, like out of fetish clubs. And I'm a, right. a fucked up guy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's just, there's not a lot you're going to be able to the, do to topple those or, that, or that, really like in, influence them deeply. It is one of the things that's beguiling about that uh, setting is that because of Sangris's betrayal or whatever and him being kind of cast out plus the way that he came into power and he'd only been in power for something like 10 years right so that everything is very up in the air was he an infernalist or yeah he's an infernalist they get him for infernalism right and uh that makes it so that everybody's kind of on pins and needles everybody's kind of looking at each other it's a bit more of a tense situation so i think you're right that would be considered starting it with like them being involved in deposing Sangris because that might be kind of interesting. I had th- I, okay, I had thought about taking it back further, but I guess I hadn't considered going back that far. That's kind of interesting. Talk to me about that. What are your thoughts? So I just think that could kind of be like an interesting thing. Like you're essentially this young neonate, and then you've been drafted into this thing. You don't know anything about infernalism, any of this, and they're like, "Yeah, we gotta go." Like, it's like kind of the perfect sabbat ideology of like, "Hey, this guy's gotta go." And we got to figure out. And then that way they can choose, do we support Carolina? Or, you know, as soon as she's elevated, the other people start going like, that was unexpected. Like, I need to start, like, drawing people to me and kind of wooing them to my side. And so you can get very early on that whole, like, we're going to go in and kill this guy and and deal with deposing him and, and, 
you know, tossing him out and everything. And you get that very anarchic Sabbath start to it. And then you kind of transition into this uh, political machinations behind the yeah. scenes as these people work against each other and try and undermine the, the very person who just got put into place and was handpicked and put into place by a very powerful elder of the Sabbat, as I yeah. understand it. Cardinal Strathcona. Right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, do we go against the wishes of the cardinal and like try to undermine her too? Or do, you know, do we um, try to support her and help her as best we can to solidify her power base? in the idea that it will make us, you know, valuable to her and the Cardinal. That also addresses another problem I was having because I don't like doing the story where, oh, you're neonate, and then, like, within six months of getting embraced, you've diabolized somebody and you're you're in the primogen and you're the right. Right, you're the right-hand man to the prince and all You know, it just I don't like the accelerated story, right. but if, if I did that, it if gives I start a chance to become involved in the power politics exactly. very early on, like you could go back like to the 1980s and you could play through some of that, mm-hmm. which would make you it could more do interesting. It flashback, and then you could move forward to the modern day. And yeah, kind of uplevel them a little bit and be like, exactly. Here's where you're at now, people love that too when you get like a big chunk of XP. Yep. So do like a few sessions because you wouldn't have to de- dedicate like a huge a huge amount to it, just enough that they would get the feeling right. of and the, the city and, and the, the characters. Idea that, like, there is infernalism like yeah. underneath the covers of the city. Like there is a deep rot, you know. And you can even have him, you know, the serpent say something to that effect as they're like, you know, throwing him down, casting him out, killing him, whatever. Just yeah, they burn like, the stake. Yeah, just be like, you know, you you've got the head off the hydra. Right. You know, five more are going to come out. Yeah. So. That's actually a really good call, Adam. That's, that's a, I, I'm taking that. I'm taking right. that. We're going to do no, that. No, that's fine. I'm going to car, I'm going to copyright that now and yeah. put it in a book. You should. <laughs> Dick. Um, Dick move. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's like, it's, that seems to me like if, if you're looking for a way to kind of like do like, cause that kind of stuff is to me works very well. I mean, um, is to get them involved at, at a low. It, it, and that's one of the things that's great about Sabat is you can do that. Camarilla, it's a lot harder to, to run yeah, a story like that. Yeah, it is. Because you're like, they're like, okay, toilet scrubber. Right. Welcome to, to polishing my knob for the next 2,000 yeah. years. You know, and then you got to the role true, And we're just going to be assholes to everyone forever. Yeah. What yeah. do you mean forever? Forever. <laughs> oh, jeez. Going back and reading those books, there's some of it that, is, that, that kind of is a little bit eye-rolling at this point because I'm like, they, they they ascribe motivations to vampires that just seem completely bonkers to me. Like, I'm just like, like there's all this stuff in Montreal about how, like, like uh, the, the English Ventru were utilizing Strathcona against the French Toreador and that they really thought that he'd be like a hardliner against French people, and you're just like, I don't know why Strathcona would give two shits about, <laughs> about any, whether you're French or whether you're English. He's a fucking vampire. Right. You know, he like he fucking feasts on human blood. Yeah. You know, I mean, you'd think he'd be thinking about other stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. Does that make any sense to you? 
they've always had that weird kind of thing where they inject them into the human politics at the time. Yeah. Though, and it's always yeah. been per- kind of distasteful. I didn't like it. And they do it then, particularly when they do It's like, you know, you don't need vampires behind some of history's greatest monsters. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to tell me, <laughs> oh, the Zimache were very active in the Third Reich. You know, it's like, I don't need that. You, like, that, that always, that always off put you, didn't it? It always did, because I was like, that was an entirely human evil. And it kind of, uh, you know, uh, downplays it. It does. It, it, it cheapens the, it cheapens it cheapens the cheapens whole it. thing. Like, Turn House as a show is a fucked up dark book. And, you know, but I'm that's like, about well, Wraith, though. That's a little That different. was Wraith, but I'm just like, if I, I'm supposed to believe Vampire, like, you know, fucking Sasha Vikos or whatever was behind the strings, like, ooh, this is what see, we should be doing. And, and just, that always bothered me about the world me, darkness. It's a bad taste in my mouth. I, I never liked the idea of, like, for instance, in this, in Marshall by Night is no exception, it has all these things like, oh, in order to counter the, the, French Quebecois movement, the English Ventru formed right. the Doric League. But and you're they like, had the same thing, though, because I remember when New York by Night came out, and people were like, oh, like, and September 11th happened shortly after that, people were just like, oh, well, like, what was the what was the vampire playing? And I was just like, nothing. Yeah. It was human yeah. psychopaths. Yeah. You yeah. don't need to drag the Asimites into this, you know no. what I mean? Like, exactly. 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 This was like, Quit the Sidites. This was a bunch quit, of nut jobs. Quit, like, quit profiling Asimites, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. They have actually worked to like dispel that thing too. <laughs> like they've they have very clearly, like, since um the rise of like that radical extremism done a lot to go like that's not what the Asimites are about. Because I remember the first edition clan book I had oh. was very much like they were all about yeah. like the faith and everything else. No, I remember they have very clearly like like moved hard away from that. But back back when when there was this kind of like exploit, and I mean for the better. Let's put for, like for let's better. be clear for yeah. the better. Yeah, their their depiction of the Asmites have become considerably more nuanced over the years. Considerably yeah, their more. Their depiction of the Ravenos is still just as terrible, <laughs> like atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um. Shit. Uh, oh well. Yeah. 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 I was hoping they were going to fix it, Lore of the Clans, and they, they kind of the Ravnos. The Ravnos? kind of did, but kind of didn't. You know, I just picked up the Ravnos first edition clan book. I've been picking up the first edition clan books. I okay. want to have a complete collection of them, so I just got it. I won't ask the obvious question of why. So anyway, continue. Dude, because they're better than the second edition clan books. Like, really? Like, like I mean, come on. Yeah. Dude. I just mean the Ravenos in particular. <laughs> like, why? It's got, it's got a lot of great Christopher Shy art in it, okay. and it was five dollars. Okay. So I well, mean, you, you can't beat five dollars. Yeah, you can't argue with that. I was also working on this Constantinople game for a while, and then because uh, I wanted to start this out as a Dark Ages game, and not leading up to Montreal or anything, I just wanted to do a Dark Ages game. Right. I was working on Constantinople, and I had this problem where everything just felt too weirdly alien. It wasn't really the the Dark Ages experience that I wanted. Constantinople's like a weird alien book, though, because it's got Michael in it, who's like that bizarre Toreador, who like Michael the Archangel, and then you've got uh, the Dagon, right? Like that. Uh, yeah, yeah. That and you've, you've got crazy Zimache guy. Well, the, the, the Draken. Like, the Draken. The Draken. And you had these just like really extreme characters it, in that book. It's a fascinating <clears throat> setting to, to work with because. I feel like it's. It takes place a few years before eleven ninety seven. It takes it, it, the 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 game that it's describing in that in that book. While 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 the book itself is set in eleven ninety seven, 
it gives you some insights into what was going on in the couple hundred years before 1197. And I personally believe, this is, this is my personal thought, and nobody who's out there who's listening just has to take this as gospel truth or anything. But it's almost like the Constantinople book is the beginning of the long night, right? And then you can play forward through like the stuff that happens in Transylvania, and then that ends with the War of the Princes. So you, 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 you're able to see the entirety of a, of a vampiric era over a couple hundred years. Yeah. And what's interesting about Constantinople is that there are vampires in that city who remember very clearly when they were just antediluvians kind of like walking around and right. like fucking running everything. There's like a couple of like antediluvian childer like in that city. Michael's and one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The so, another one. I don't think he's in the city anymore, but his kids are. Yeah. And so you're just you're you're not very far removed from from a very like a, a nearly mythological time. The in 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 like a couple generations of vampires, people will be t- like arguing as to whether those characters ever even existed. But you have this interesting POV of being able to be like, oh, yeah, well, you know, I met fucking Toreador's kid or yeah. whatever, you know? I was always hoping they would put out, like, a Carthage or Rome book at oh, some I know. point. Just I to, know. like, go into that era because it seemed like it would be fascinating. Right? Because it was literally, like, Trolley and Bruja, like, walking around the streets of Carthage, you know? Mm-hmm. And then the, like, that the... would be really an interesting book to just be like, all right, so let's go into that let's look at this and what does it mean and i agree how are all of these guys interacting with each other and they never did and i you know i feel it was I, I don't know if they were afraid of like digging that far into the history and and dealing with those characters and if they felt they worked better as kind of like black boxes or yeah. unknown quantities like, that's what I, that's what i would say it's probably what it was but it's still just like I feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity. They could have just presented it as like, well, here's a possible interpretation of this. This isn't necessarily how it happened. I mean, considering they did that with Gehenna, essentially, where they give you like four different right. different options. I don't see why they couldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But the, Projecting I, my own thoughts on that book again. Uh, well, I mean, you're allowed to have your own thoughts yeah. on the book. I mean, it, it's not that great of a book. It's really not. Um, there were all of, all of those end of line books were all pretty bad. Trying to, trying to think one, one. I liked. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think. Uh, I think the only ones like the only one I got, I think, was Gehenna. I think it might have gotten Time of Judgment. I got Time I of the Judgment. I got Gehenna. It. I think I had the Mage one just because I was interested oh. to see what they did with it. And the Werewolf one, I just didn't care about. The, to me, to be totally honest, I think the one that sounded the best was the Werewolf one. Yeah. Like all well, these the years werewolf later, Werewolf was always building towards the apocalypse, so it was the one yeah. that I always just assumed they had the most coherent vision on. And the, but it, it was just never a game I played very much. It, it, and basically, the final chapter was just giving them everything that they wanted, which was a bunch of fucking crazy worm beasts come out of the ground, and they're right. way too big for you to fight, right. but now you got to fight them anyway. Your, their mouths and yeah. you die. Yeah, like, yeah I, I get it. I, I can imagine all the like the kind of guys who are like, super like werewolf fans like getting all teary-eyed as they're like playing their fucking characters' like final moments as yeah. they like fight a giant sandworm-looking thing. And like, <laughs> like it's okay. Dune, and it's, <laughs> they walk yeah. with the rhythm, and they summon the sandworm, and yeah. 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 Yeah, it was always one of those weird ones, though, because I was like, yeah, werewolf is just, like, it's the apocalypse. And 
and mage that like one of the technocracy wins and one more than a fandy one and one that more than a fandy win yeah i think it was like this (laughs) it's like the the dark horse like they're like haha you fucking idiots we won the ascension war it was like that euthanatos guy and he was that one from one of the other books book of chantries or book of worlds or whatever it was and he's this euthanatos and running this thing and it turns out he's like been a secret in a fandy that's what i seem to recall and it was it was very weird yeah like i i never knew a whole ton about the mage backstory and i was just like oh i wonder what they'll do to wrap it up and then i read it and i was like and then i I, when i sold my mage books it went with them and and uh never to be seen again so yeah i mean that's not one i even see around very much to be totally honest it's not one i'd be interested in in recollecting i i have started a um I have started collecting the second edition. I would like to have a complete collection of the second edition. Oh, of Mage? Oh, no, of, oh, of Vampire. Of Vampire, okay. Yeah, so I'm, that, that is one of the reasons why I I'm hunting down all those second edition. those those clan so, books, you know, because yeah. they um so, so, so but, good. Yeah, they were great. But, yeah, like, they had a bunch of good historical setting books for it. Like, Dark Ages was great. A Victorian Vampire I never really cared for. Yeah, um, it wasn't that Sorcerer's good. Crusade, I never really cared for. Dude, that game was okay. It's my understanding oh. that the that the magic system for that mm-hmm. game is is superior to is any uh, oh. to any magic system that they've ever put out before or since. I don't I don't have it anymore, so I couldn't tell you like like that was one that got I divested myself of, and just so there were all those historical setting books, and I would say the way that I that I go about it is. Like, I will get inspired by something that I see and go, I want to run a vampire game in setting X. And, like, one of the big ones for me was Transylvania. I always wanted to run a game in Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you so did started, for years. And I did for years. And it's, I started digging into it. Um, and one of the things that I found very early on was I had to make a, a conscious decision between um, representing Transylvania accurately Mm-hmm. as it was in history or representing the Transylvania that I envisioned or that I wanted to see come to life. Yeah. Um, so one of the big things is uh, <clears throat> at the time of Dark Ages is set, um, Transylvania didn't really have castles. Um, right. It had wooden fortresses. Right. And so one of the very early on decisions I made when I was running Transylvania was – um, I'm going to have these like castles that are like at the these stone fortresses that are at the top of mountains, which is like not even a good place to build your <laughs> fucking castle. It's really because not because you want to have a water supply and everything else. And I yeah. don't know if you know this, but water doesn't run up the side of mountains. Wait, what? So, um, it's a really shitty place to build your castle. <laughs> But that's what I did because I was like, I want this very classic, like the village down yeah. below with all the peasants, and then there's this mount, this like cadavernous castle, like above them, like this tombstone mm-hmm. rising out of the earth, like this, you know, black obelisk, and like yeah. there's a vampire in it, and he's you know the lord of the surrounding territory. Right, you want like you want to, to essentially pepper the countryside with 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 Dracula esque, and not Dracula the book because Dracula the book was inspired by the real historical. Right, Dracula the movie. I wanted like Dracula that very the cinematic, like yes. this is the land of the Zimache, and they rule over yes. with an iron fist. 
Um, and so I very early on had to start making compromises there where I was not accurately displaying Transylvania. And I kind of agonized over it a little bit until like we got into it. And I realized player characters, like the players, like the people who are at the yeah. game don't really give a shit. No. Right? Like they don't know anything about Transylvania. They didn't do, they didn't like go, I'm playing a Transylvania game. Let me go get a history book and like study up <laughs> on Transylvania before I come in here. Well, Adam, I can't help but notice that like, you talk about the Cathars in here. They're not in this region at the D- time, you know. So like the thing it, is, dude, this I, I came up. The people in my group would 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 be up my ass about that type of really? shit. Really, like dude, mine, they weren't. They were just man. like, do I get Tiraptopine Marauder form or not? <laughs> <laughs> like, like that was what they cared about. Um, and so yeah, I get it. And at a certain point, yeah, you do have to set the expectation with your players of like, this is the type of game that I'm running. I understand, you know, either you can run a very historically accurate game or you have to set the expectation very on. I have changed the setting to make it more uh, gothic horror and more grandiose. Yeah. And like, and that is what I'm going for. And so, uh, yeah, I I would say when I pick settings, um, I try to pick something that reinforces uh, the mood or the theme of the game I'm going to run. And we had talked about this before, but I think you can take stories from different eras and transplant them, right? Elaborate. Like, you can take a Shakespeare story and bring it into the modern era. Oh, yeah. You know, you can take a uh, modern era story and take it back in time, right? Sure. Like, and and, I mean, yours was like the the fight club that got transplanted to like victorian oh, yeah, era yeah london i was like man how would you even work about that but i started thinking about it and what i thought about was i was like you know i wouldn't mind the idea of taking like a project mayhem or like a fight club inspired thing and moving it into um the french revolution sure and end it with storming the bastille like that to me is a very similar narrative arc to what goes on in Fight Club. You where can do that. He blows up the credit card things at the end of the movie, but like, right. Or in the books, he's trying to blow up the art museum. Book Natural History the Museum. The, like, the, the the movie ending is superior. Um, but you could run that story in that time, and it would sure. actually work very well in that time frame. And you could have the Les Misérables thing or whatever if you want to do it that way. But like, you could translate it to that time period and if you there, wanted to there was like and the, it reinforces the themes of like you know anarchy and freedom and overthrowing an oppressive regime and like you know taking out with you know uh the the society and all that like it, it would fit very well in, sure in that genre i mean absolutely um the early 1900s and it's and the sort of european fascination with uh, anarchism uh, and then combine that with a charismatic character who's at the center of a pugilist society. Right. You know, I mean, there is like, like that. The, definitely, you could do it for sure. Yeah, for sure. Like like, you, you could even have him. I don't even know, like Talia Dodon or something. I don't know. You could find like a name, but you wouldn't want to telegraph it that much. But it's just like there is that whole idea of like you know we are dissatisfied with our lot in life. Sure. We are dissatisfied with society. So what do we do? Do we sit here and like try and lift ourselves out of the muck or do we drag everybody down with us, you know, mm-hmm. and you could run it that way. And I think it would work very well. Absolutely. So like that, that's the thing is when you look like all of human history is this vast, um, bloody <laughs> swath upon yeah. which you, it is your canvas Sadly. and you can do a lot with it. You know, I mean, it's, there's so much stuff that you can do. And like I said, just try to find synergy 
you know, uh, corporate speak. Sorry. Anyway, no, no. <laughs> Just try to find things that work well together like that. There, where the theme is reinforced by the setting and, and vice versa. You know, it's you you want to have yeah. them, have them meld together very well. I mean, it's sort of a disconnect in the in the Montreal. Uh, example in particular because i mean i've been to montreal one of the reasons i went to montreal is because i was so infatuated with the book montreal by night and then you know you get up to canada and everybody is so fucking nice to you and, yep. and it's a very free society and, and there's no crime really there's no there's no like weird despair and pollution so either things were radically different in 1996 when i was there or they shellacked it like so heavily with the world of darkness and gloom, and I right. think that that's basically just what I'm going to have to do. Is you have to, I'm going to have to sort of repopulate Montreal as like an urban hell, which yeah, just which and, just and clearly isn't. It clearly isn't, but I mean there are things that you can use there for that, like the oh, whole fact sure. that they built the entire city underground. Well, like, the thing is that they didn't like, build the whole thing underground. Right, they did, and it's fine there. But you could just be like, oh, it's taking like a psychological toll on the residents, and like it's made them almost like. Um, like subhuman, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you, you can just twist it. it. A lot of the world of darkness stuff is, is a dark reflection of our own world. You know, do yeah. I honestly believe like, you know, LA is the gang ridden, violent hellhole Like it was presented in LA by night. Like in the nineties, it was pretty bad, but like sure. anymore, is it like, is it that way? I don't know. You know, I'm sure there's parts of it that are bad, but like that city book would have you believe like, oh, the entire thing is just like shit. Yeah, you know? which is just not true. Yeah, just like don't go there. I, I really struggle just... with Los Angeles as a, as a setting because because it's such a big city and it's so it's so diverse. And, I mean, right. Could... There's so much you can do with it. Like is hot like Hollywood and it's like and so you can make like and Hollywood in the world of darkness is going to be like because Hollywood's kind of like a weird but it's going yeah. to be like just a scum fuck place in the world of darkness. Right. It's going to be full of just like degenerates and exploitation and just like everyone's going to be awful and that's the thing about the world <laughs> well, of darkness is it's everyone like, is like that anyway <laughs> yeah but everyone is like the worst version possible of themselves in the world of darkness right? I, I don't know if you've ever been to la adam but you're pretty much describing it right now right. well it's just but it's like it's one of those things where it's you have to you really have to to just kind of like wallow yeah. in villainy, you, you've got to fincher it. You know, you've got David Fincher it, and right. you've got to just really just 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 lay it on heavy with the old the old Seven movie. Remember, remember the movie Seven, where just where the 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 presentation was of this like grim urban hellhole that was that was unlivable. It just it just it created the, the city itself was this character that was as unpalatable as this as the psychopath right and, and it's the same thing with like like anytime there's a movie or a story set in small town america it's always some like degenerate fuck all of a little town that's like <laughs> hiding this festering ooze of a dark secret and like i've traveled around america and i've gone to those little towns and most of them are just like hey how's it going you want a pie you know and you're just like like this is not nearly as like american gothic as i was led to believe yeah like, like is the mayor boning his sister like what's going on here I, and they're like oh he's an okay guy i've known him for years you know, he owns a feed store. Stephen King, like, man. All right. Stephen King is he 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 really peddled in that kind of the the dark side of of the uh, nostalgia for Americana. Right. So you I know? don't think you can be shackled to your setting. Like you can't be shackled to the truth so much because I mean, honestly, like sometimes the truth gets kind of boring. You know, dude, what I mean? it is. And I'm not even gonna lie, man. I've run games like that where I'm just like I'm boring the shit out of myself because it's like yep. it's travel log. Right. 
Yeah, and it's just like, you know, do I want to sit here with, like, the travel guide to the city and Dude, be like, oh, yeah. well, the L train goes up. It's like, no one really cares about that. I you just know I, mean? I just hate having, like, players who are always, like, th- I hate it when you feel like your players are, are looking for some kind of, like, chink in your armor. You know what I'm saying? They're, like, they're like waiting for you to make this, like, tragic misstep. They always you know? will, and it's one of those things where it's like, when it happens, you just go, it happened, deal with it. Like, <sighs> this is just the setting. Like, Maybe, I, uh... Like, perfectionism is too much to expect out of anyone, and particularly, like, with a role-playing game, you know? Like, am I? do I really want to dig into, like, that, you know? Do I really want to just go, okay, well, everything has to be perfect all the time? Or do, or is it more about theme and mood? And for yeah. me, I always just was like, it's about theme and mood. And if I got to contradict myself, okay. Yeah. Like, I'll deal with the ramifications of that later, but, like... Ultimately, I'm trying to tell a story. Ultimately, I'm trying to get you involved in what's going on. I'm trying to invest you in what's happening. Um, and if your big thing is like, I want you to screw up so that I can rub your nose in it. And like, maybe we're doing the wrong thing. Maybe we're, maybe you shouldn't be here. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I do know what you mean. Like, maybe you should go on the internet and just be like, in the Avengers, it doesn't make sense when the guy stabs the other yeah. guy. There's no exit wound. You know, like, just do that. Like, yeah. that's fine. That's a thing you can do. There's, There's entire a, there... message boards for that. If Dude, you want to right? Stuff. Exactly. There's a whole culture for that now. Right. There's a whole culture of just being shitty. But if you want to come to the table and, like, have fun and, like, tell a dark story game, like, then come on. Like, let's play. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think about the cell phones, man? What should I do with the cell phones? What's your thoughts on the cell phones? Cell should, phones in you, Montreal? Yeah. Do you think Do you think by the time we, when we get to should, when we get to, like, more – I guess because if, if I started out and I started out kind of in the late 80s, early 90s, we can kind of inch the story forward mm-hmm. – and I never have to. I never have to jump forward to a point that I feel uncomfortable with, right? Because I, feel I would like- say if you're worried about the effect of technology, either borrow the mechanic from Requiem, um, and roll with it. Okay. Or, uh, and that'll require it, since you've got La Sombra, not- you're gonna have to jigger with their clan weakness it, it's, a little it's, bit. It's not even that. It's not the. It's not. The, it's, it's the idea that okay. Here's uh-huh. a, here's an example. All right. If you go back and you watch the old TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, right? right? Uh, by the time season seven or eight or whatever the last season is that comes around, they have introduced cell phones. It's kind of like this novelty in the show where they're like, "Hey, look, it's a cell phone, and we right. we all kind of have them." And oh, they, so they, you're they, saying they where talk they can about call it. each other? And exactly. They don't have, okay. But the first six seasons are them, and like one guy is trapped in one room, and another guy is trapped across town, and they can't communicate, and that's half the so problem. So when they're in the underground city. They can't use cell phones because they're underground. Well, right, they don't yeah. work, and they haven't built any th- infrastructure there to do it. Okay, so that's how you handle it there. And then for the rest of it, like, it's Montreal. Set it in the winter and have there be a blizzard and just be like, the blizzard's <laughs> interfering with your signal, and you can't get a signal. So, like, do stuff to limit the use of cell phones. Do stuff to limit the use of cell phones. Turn <laughs> the had, environment against them. You know I had what this I mean? problem when I was running Prague a few years back, meaning ten, ten years back. Everybody had cell phones, and there was like this just ridiculous. Th- I mean, there it, are an awful lot of times. Having run a game, there are an awful lot of times where players are just like, "I call up Timmy on my yeah. cell phone, and we talk about this." You know, it's, it's worse like, now that smartphones are so ubiquitous. People are like, "I'm just gonna go on the internet and we'll find out what's going on. I'm right. gonna start moving money around in my okay, my accounts. I'm gonna hack computers." I'm just Maybe like, the like, prince Jesus. is just like, or not the prince, the archbishop is like, "You can't use cell phones because it is a very big breach of like, you know, secrecy and trust. Like anyone can listen in on them." So that's not a bad idea. Like you're not allowed to use them, and if you use them, you get in trouble. Because if you call up and like, hey, I just sucked blood out of a guy, and like his corpse is like, 
You know what I mean? Like, I see what you're saying. That's not okay. So maybe vampires are just like, as a society, they're just like, hey, these are not okay to use because they are gigantic masquerade violations. The last thing I want you to do is take a selfie of yourself next to your drained victim that's like, just suck this guy dry, YOLO swag, 420, blaze it, and post it on Instagram, yeah. you know? Like, I, I feel like you're never-ending font of good, like, uh, Requiem ideas tonight. Like, that, to me, it sounds like an entire chronicle for Requiem, where the, a city where vampires aren't allowed to use cell phones, right. so they have proxies to use cell phones for them, yeah. which is, like, an interesting political concept. Yeah. Anyways, it's getting, getting kind of dark in here. We're, like, two nerds talking about vampires it's, in the dark. It's weird. I don't know. It's kind of kind of awesome. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. Like this is like the, we used to wait for the sun to go down so we could like, light candles and like I fly know. and be like, "What did I roll? Because I can't see I know. the dice." And like I remember, I had to have a hand flashlight at some yeah. of the games because it was like I couldn't see my sheet. Yeah, <laughs> I like, keep a. And then you dump wax on it when you try to oh, use the candle. Dude, I know mess. so many wax spilling like yep. accidents. Yeah. So people playing with it. Uh, that was always my problem was people would, like, play with the candles. Oh, dude. Yeah, that God, really pissed me off. That. The fuckers. Yeah, yeah. Heilig always did that, huh? He Durr. was a... Durr was the firebug. Fuck, man. He was the one who was always throwing little bits of paper into the candle and, like, taking lollipops and holding it over it and roasting lollipops? it and stuff. Lollipops? Yeah. What the fuck are lollipops even doing at the table? I it's a goddamn know. vampire. There's no fucking lollipops in vampire. Like I said, we have very different groups. So. Yeah. <laughs> We did. I had a lot of fun playing. Like I had a lot of fun with my group. I loved playing with those guys, but it was it was de- we had very different groups. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Well, dude, I'm really happy to have gotten another episode on our belt. Let's yep. stay on top of this shit and not fuck up again. Do it again soon, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. we will try. We will do our best. Um, that's all we can promise. That's all we can promise. Do our best. Well, Adam, thanks for coming out and talking me through some of these problems. That thanks for um, having me here over here. I'm always happy to talk Amy. That that was you, th- dude. Bouncing some ideas off you, getting some fresh eyes on the problem was very helpful. Cool, very glad helpful, to help. Man. Very helpful. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for enjoying. For uh, thank you for joining us. Another episode of Chasron Radio Hour. This is uh, Brendan. This is Adam. Signing off. Have a good night. Good night.